The opening drum melody from Bugler's Dream is hummed by Michael in season one of the hit television series, The Office, and it seems an appropriate opening for this story about The Office. Kelly Conley of Entertainment Weekly tells us in 2015 that midway through The Office's run, the Scranton Welcomes You sign, made iconic by the show's opening credits, was moved to the local mall because too many people kept stopping traffic to take their pictures with it. Ten years after the series premiere, the sign was still there, and the relationship between Scranton and the office was still something of a TV anomaly. The sort of affinity that the city and the show share is uncommon, even among series that film on location, which the office did not, Los Angeles might not have matched the landscape of northeastern Pennsylvania, but Scranton was always more of a character than an environment. And like the office's other background players, it took on a life of its own as the show went on. When series creator Greg Daniels decided to adapt the British cult comedy for an American audience, he picked Scranton for its proximity to New York City. Later, Daniels stopped by the city's local newspaper distributor, where he met with regional director of marketing and events, Tim Holmes. Years later, Holmes would introduce Steve Carroll to a stadium full of fans at the office's Scranton rap party. Daniels took a kinder approach to Scranton than the Brits took to the town of Slough, where the UK original was set, and the production team stayed in touch with the Pennsylvania city throughout the show's run to ensure authenticity. File cabinets were marked with stickers from local radio stations. When newspapers were needed on set, the Scranton Times-Tribune worked up fake front pages and sent them to the LA Times for printing. It's hard to say if the city took ownership of the show or if the show handed itself over to the city, but in any case, Scranton embraced the city. Enthusiasm reached its height in 2007 when Scranton hosted an office fan convention. And as the city experienced a new kind of national attention, Al Roker broadcast a Today Show segment live from the convention. So did the office's cast and crew. Like Scranton itself, most of the cast had never expected to be so adored. The actors in the city were both surprise success stories. They understood each other. And really, the office needed to ground itself in a real city. It found its story in the mundane details of everyday life. Scranton stood for other unglamorous cities as they really were. Parks and recreation created by Greg Daniels and office writer Mike Schur kept the mockumentary format but used it to opposite ends. Pawnee was a fictional place that spoke for other cities as they could be. Shure's latest series, Brooklyn 999, returns to a real setting but takes the action to a big city. While most network comedies are set in small towns, they keep those small towns fictional. We don't seem to be looking for localized relatability right now, but when we were, the office did it best. That from Kelly Conley in Entertainment Weekly in 2015. 
Connolly also writes as she continues about the story. Before he'd officially picked Scranton to host the office, Greg Daniels sent John Krasinski to visit the city. In addition to filming the opening credits that would eventually stop traffic, Krasinski stopped by a local paper company. There was a bar across the street that would only be open for a few months in total, but it was open then, and it was called The Office. Clearly, Scranton was ready for the show, however unintentionally. How fitting, then, that Scranton's friends from The Office are settling in and taking up residence here, ready to welcome one and all to the Electric City. In fact, the Electric City sign is at the center of the brand new mural on Lackawanna Avenue. Larger than life, it's 86 feet wide and 27 feet tall, and it's filled with portraits of 17 cast members from the landmark program. And the design is ingenious. As we view the mural, it's as if the members of the cast have pulled up to an invisible bar. Some standing at the bar, some sitting. Michael Scott is holding his world's best boss mug that's resting in front of him. So not only are these folks welcoming us to Scranton, they're showing how very much at home they are here in the Electric City. And even though the image is static, it's a mural after all, there's a whole lot of energy from the flying paper airplanes and memos and such floating through the air in front of a wall of favorite lines that have worked their way into our daily lives. And is, there's no party like a Scranton party there? We'll not only have a chance to search for the immortal phrase on the mural, but to live it out, to live that phrase out in person as the welcoming celebration for the gang is held this Friday, October 6th at 5.30 p.m. Rose Randazzo Pizzuto is chair of the Scranton Tomorrow Mural Arts Program, and her long-standing passion for public arts has been the catalyst for the office, the story of us mural. She stopped in at the WVIA studios to share her passion and how it began. My interest in public arts started in 1984 when I moved from Pittston to Philadelphia. I was uh, entering law school and I was lucky enough to see Jane Golden, who is the director of the Philadelphia Mural Arts Program, as a young artist painting a bridge from West Philly into Center City. And, you know, as time went on, I learned that she was there on an art initiative under Mayor Wilson Good, and it was called an anti-graffiti initiative. And that's how the Philadelphia Mural Arts Program started. So that was my inspiration for bringing it here. And don't we know that around the country, people look to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a leader in number of murals, I'm sure, but also quality. Yes, it's world-renowned. It is the leader. It started. It all started there. And, and it was really to rectify a situation of blight in the city in the 1980s. And although today we have street art, which I'm a big fan of, this was different. Graffiti in the 80s was not really art. It was more of a scribbling kind of thing, and it wasn't done always by artists, but just kids in the neighborhood. So it wasn't anything against street art. It was against blight, and that's how it started. So you finished your schooling and returned to the area? 
Well, the funny part about that is Jane was in law school in California before she came back in 1984 to start this anti-graffiti program because she had personal issues for returning to Philadelphia. So as she was leaving law school, I was entering law school. So we sort of, our paths always crossed. Yes, and I got my law degree and I actually stayed in Philadelphia for almost a decade before I returned home to Pittston. And so you watched not one here, one there, but an explosion, right? I saw it grow. I saw it from the first, very first mural into really what it is today. You could tell that it was shifting people's sense of belonging to their neighborhoods, the fact that people were taking ownership of their blocks. It was a huge source of pride for all of Philadelphia, and still is. And it really transforms a streetscape. And that's what we did in Pittston, and that was where I started with mural arts under Mayor Jason Clush when I became a volunteer Main Street manager. That was one component of our revitalization efforts. And so if we go through Pittston now, what are the numbers of murals in Pittston these days? When I left my position as a volunteer Main Street manager, I had accomplished eight murals with my team, uh, including Mayor Mike Lombardo, Mayor Jason Clush, and various other volunteers in the community who wanted to revitalize the Main Street. It was a huge undertaking, and it really made a difference. The one we keep seeing, it's the minor, it's the history of the area that is something that both serves those who are older residents of the town, but also tells something to the young ones about their past. It's funny you should bring that one up, because that was the very first mural. And uh, an artist by the name of Dwight Kirkland, who I found on the internet, did that mural. And unfortunately, Dwight is no longer with us. And it was a tragic story. He died as a young man with young children. But that was the beginning of murals in Pittston. And it's still my favorite. There's a presence there beyond just an illustration of history, right? Oh, yes. And it really hit home for me because not only was it about the mines, it was about the women and the dress industry and the the workers, which my grandmother and my mother participated in. So it was very emotional for me. All right, you left that position. I was living in Scranton. At the time, I started my position in Pittston, but that's my hometown. I love Pittston. I'll always be there for Pittston. But my son was entering school, and I didn't want to miss a lot of his activities. And between my real career as a lawyer and my volunteer work, I was I was missing too much. So I took a little hiatus, and I recharged myself, and I thought, you know, it's time now to do something in my son's hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania, and that's how I ended up there. You had some ideas already about themes because you had been in Philadelphia and you saw what worked there. You'd been in Pittston and you saw what worked in Pittston. What did you do? Did you go to approach someone or did you just talk to people? How did you get... Yes, well, initially I spoke to Mike about coming back and doing more murals in Pittston, but Mike was a new mayor again, his second time being a mayor, and he wanted to focus on the neighborhoods, and I completely understood that. And you need funds to do murals. I mean, you need to put a lot of energy into it. So I decided to pitch it to Scranton tomorrow. And Leslie Collins called me immediately, and she knew about my work in Pittston, and she said, let's talk, let's do this. And what did you put on the table in terms of themes at that time? Well, I was very specific about wanting to do 
murals that related to the history of Scranton and murals that would increase tourism in Scranton. So the first pitch was for a historical mural and the office mural. I already knew in March of 2020 that I wanted to do the office mural. And what was the history subject? We did a vaudeville history because Scranton was very big in vaudeville. You had to play Scranton before you played New York City. So that was our second mural called Danseur by Joel Carson Jones, who is a living master in art. And he did a tremendous job. And that's on Penn Avenue, which is one of the nicest commercial areas in the city. And did you have a wide range of sites that seemed to lend themselves to murals as you went around the town? You know, I thought there would be more because Scranton is so much bigger than Pittston. But I really feel that murals should go on walls that are blighted, that have no architectural interest. You know, I don't want to take a beautiful building and put a mural on it. That's just my philosophy. So targeting the blighted walls, there's not as many as you think anymore. Was the danseur hard to launch? Did you have to convince the folks at Scranton tomorrow? I have to say, working with the Scranton tomorrow people is fantastic because they're very open to my ideas and they usually follow my lead. So it's not difficult. So when I propose something, everybody jumps on board. They give me a lot of support. They're fantastic. Very hard workers. A lot of volunteers. I love working with them. And what was the reaction to the first one that you saw through to its conclusion then? Yeah, I mean, everyone loved Dancer, but really Dancer ended up being the second mural because there was a mural in the works on Mulberry Street, and the county asked me to take a look at it and work with the artists because the artists were young and they were from the area, and what I really wanted to establish under the Scranton Tomorrow Mural Arts Program was a protocol on how to do the murals so that they lasted. And that was extremely important to me. So we sort of intercepted that mural to sort of lead by example and have that first mural on Mulberry be the protocol for future murals. And we'll learn about how you are future-proofing the office mural, which is an exciting story in and of itself. Danseur is two. What's three? Good of the Hive, which was really a spectacular project. Good of the Hive is done by an artist named Matthew Wiley from New York. This is a man who has made it his personal goal to save the bees. And uh, he has painted over 50,000 bees across the world. All these murals interconnect. And he basically is of the opinion that if we don't save the bees, we can't save the humans. So Matt came in and he did a spectacular mural and connected us with, like I said, murals in England, Italy, all over the United States, Smithsonian Institution, and we're a part of that now too. Where is that one? That is on the back of Civic Ballet Company in Scranton. So you have in your mind right from the start that you want to see a mural about the office. I wanted to commission an artist who could not only do well with large-scale mural art, but someone who can do well with portrait art. And that is fine art because you cannot paint someone's portrait unless you're a fine artist. And that's an unusual combination. And I actually found Kala Hagopian by accident. It was the day before the country shut down, and I happened to be in Philadelphia visiting my brother. And we went for a walk, and we happened upon a library that did a mural with portraits of people in front of books. And I was so impressed, and I said, who? Who did this mural? And my brother's like, I don't know. So we looked all over the mural, we found a name in the corner, and I wrote it down, and I Googled her, and that's how I found her. Was she excited about the idea? She was 
surprised that I, from Scranton, found her and identified her for this particular project and commissioned her for it. She's very excited. You know, she has female artists that work with her, a female initiative, and she's wonderful. This is a complicated commission. There are copyright issues, aren't there? Well, that's when I had to put my lawyer cap on. (laughs) So what I did first is I reached out to some friends of mine who uh, worked in different networks, attorneys that I went to law school with, and they put me in the direction of NBC Peacock. I called NBC. I had a very good connection, and he set me up with the right people. And we were able to, after 18 months of getting every waiver signed by every actor that appears in that mural, that was the most difficult part. Peacock was easy. They wanted to do it, but they had to get the permission from each and every one of them for their images to appear. What about the design then? How did you all come to decide? Kala did the design. There are 17 characters depicted in the mural. It started with 10. Peacock added seven. They wanted They wanted more. They wanted it to be more inclusive of the cast. So uh, we did, you know, a couple of redos and we finally came up with that design, which I loved from the minute she showed it to me. What else is in the mural space? So they call them Easter bunnies and little sayings and little symbols that appear throughout the episodes. And they are all very much, you know, secretive, some of them. And so it's it's fun. It's fun. Building on the Bees mural, has there been buzz in the city waiting to see the reveal? Yes, this, this really, the, the whole community has come out for this. It is just loved by everyone who sees it. And we have tourism every day at the mural. I could stand there for a half hour and see five, six, seven people show up to take selfies in front of the mural. It's just what you were hoping for. I love it. I'm so excited. I'm so happy for the opportunity. Now, where is it geographically? It's on historic Lackawanna Avenue, which I think is the perfect place for it to be. Because when you get off the Biden Expressway, that is where you go. And then you can see it. It's like the gateway. Is it a trend like they might do in a museum to have places where we can learn about the murals and the stories behind them? Will that be the case with this? Yes. Every one of our murals has a QR code that leads you to the backstory. But this one, the Lackawanna County Visitor Center partnered with Scranton Chamorro and also D&D Realty, who gave us, donated the wall, Casey Donahue, a young developer. And um, we came up with the museum quality kiosk that will sit in front of the mural with the QR code. And then you'll be able to go there, scan it, and go on a self-guided tour of everything the office in Scranton. The execution of the mural was not where Kala stood for four months in the cold painting on the wall. How did she execute the mural? So this type of mural and many murals are done on a uh, fabric called polytab and this fabric organically becomes part of the building after it's finished. So she did this and I believe 80 pieces of polytab in her studio for over a year. The characters are from 10 to 22 feet in height. The full mural is 2400 square feet. So this had to be uh, transported after she completed them to Scranton and applied to the building, which was a very tedious and difficult task. What are the plans now? Our mural dedication is on October 6th at 530 in front of the mural. 
Universal TV is coming with, you know, executives from Universal to support us. Peacock will be there to support us, and uh, it'll be open to the public. And after the dedication, there'll be a Q&A with Kala Hagopian in the nearby space called The Loft, and she'll answer any questions and talk to the public. And uh, we'll have some live music, and it'll just be a nice party. There ain't no party like a Scranton party. (laughs) (laughs) Were there hopes that some actors might be there, but there are problems with the strike? You know, we don't know who's coming, but there is an actor strike, so I have to believe that we probably won't get any star power, but... You know, every day is a new day, you never know. And why is Peacock so interested in promoting this mural? This is one of their number one streaming shows. And actually, Rolling Stone magazine in 2016 called The Office one of the 100 greatest television shows in history. So it has a following not only in the United States, but it's in Italy, it's in in England, it's in Switzerland, it's in many countries where Peacock streams. So this is something that's worldwide. You have seen then, you are a strong advocate of the public arts. What would you say to cities who are thinking about it but haven't done the investment in public art, whether it be a mural? Don't think about it. Do Do it. (laughs) I don't like to think about anything. I just like to do it. (laughs) And you've seen the fruit, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. In Pittston and in Scranton. This is not your swan song. You're going to keep going? Well, we're planning another mural. And I believe that Scranton should be an outdoor museum, art museum, in the next 20 years. And that's my goal. If I can stay alive that long, (laughs) let's hope so. Rose Randazzo Pizzuto, chair of Scranton Tomorrow's Mural Arts Program, speaking about The Office, the Story of Us mural by Hagopian Arts of Philadelphia, made possible with support from Universal Television, Peacock, and Lackawanna County Visitors Bureau, and important community sponsors, and inviting us to the dedication ceremony and meet and greet with the artist Kala Hagopian in honor of the office mural. And it's this Friday, October 6th at 5.30 p.m. at 503 Lackawanna Avenue in downtown Scranton. As we heard from Rose, the mural features highly rendered realistic black and white portraits of 17 cast members, famous quotes from the show, local landmarks referenced in the series, colorful geometric shapes, and the mural is 86 feet wide and 27 feet tall. There will be members of Scranton Tomorrow on hand on Friday, members of its mural arts program, public officials and sponsors. And as we said, there will be a meet and greet with Kala Hagopian, who is lead artist and founder of Hagopian Arts. Guests will also have a chance, of course, to take selfies with the mural as a backdrop and also compete for prizes in an office-themed costume contest on the red carpet. Think Season 7, Episode 6, when the Dunder Mifflin crew went all out to win that coveted coupon book. After festivities at the mural site, the party will continue throughout downtown Scranton with an office-themed First Friday. Restaurants, pubs, and cafes will offer menu items and fun activities in the spirit of all things Dunder Mifflin. To learn more, scrantontomorrow.org slash mural. ScrantonTomorrow.org slash The Office Mural. That's a dedication ceremony and meet and greet this Friday, and that is the 6th of October 
at 5.30 p.m. at the site of the office, The Story of Us Mural at 503 Lackawanna Avenue in downtown Scranton. For more information, scrantontomorrow.org slash the office mural.